Would you take your scriptures, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. <coughs> we'll be reading verses 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all things... Put, the, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning because we love you. You're our strength. <clears throat> You're our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer. You're our rock in whom we take refuge. You are our shield and the horn of our salvation, our stronghold. We call to you, O Lord, who is worthy of praise, and we're saved from our enemies. Father, we need you if you're to grow, and we're to grow in our understanding of the grace you have given us in Christ Jesus. Grant us the ability to hear your word and to believe with all of our hearts. We ask these things in his holy name. Amen. It's absolutely amazing to me the things men can think can bring peace. We hear a lot of talk about peace. Listen to the news and international peace is always being discussed. Our leaders are always talking about finding peace and establishing a new world order of peace. Many of you are not old enough to remember the events leading up to World War II, to remember England's Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain. The situation was that Germany and her leader Adolf Hitler were making aggressive moves to take over more of her neighbors. Mr. Chamberlain made a number of attempts making peace with Hitler, 
Hitler was threatening to overrun the Sudeten land of Czechoslovakia. So Chamberlain went with the offer of compromise to ensure peace in Europe. Chamberlain set out to appease Hitler. Hitler wanted to take over Czechoslovakia. In Mr. Chamberlain's offer, Hitler would receive half of Czechoslovakia without firing a shot. Chamberlain was shortly proved wrong about his ideas of attaining peace as Germany overran Poland, plunging the whole world into war. Chamberlain tried to gain peace through compromise. Men are always seeking peace through compromise, but it never works. You compromise with your sinful nature, but just as Hitler was not satisfied, so your wicked nature is never satisfied. Paul in Colossians 3 lays out what is required to make peace. First, you must be in Christ by faith. You must set your mind and heart on things that come from above and not on earthly things. If you believe by faith in Jesus Christ, then you have died with him and you have been raised with him so that you are now hidden with him in God, which is real peace. Strife, which is the opposite of peace, is caused by an overactive self-esteem. When man thinks more highly of himself than he should, he cannot properly consider others. To avoid strife and have peace, you must lay down your own self-image and take up the image of Jesus Christ. How do you accomplish such a task? Paul says in Colossians 3, 5, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Colossians 3, 8 and 9, But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Have you ever tried to fight someone without using these types of things? It, would be much, it wouldn't be much of a fight without anger, rage, and malice. Therefore, Paul says, get rid of all of this from your life. In other words, don't compromise with your sinful nature. Set a godly standard and stand firm. Isn't that one of the problems we're seeing today in our nation? They're trying to destroy the Constitution, which is the standard upon which this nation was built. Without that standard, we have nothing. He goes on to say, what you are to replace these things with. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. My friends, try starting an argument with someone for whom you have great compassion. Be kind to them in the argument. Show no haughtiness or arrogance. Be gentle in all you say, exercising great patience with them. Where will the strife come from if you do this? Paul explains in Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. When you do this, you will find peace with others and you will be able to avoid much strife. Now we return this morning to our study of God's character and action. We will look at peace versus strife. Again, we look to Proverbs to see if we can grow in our understanding of how this works. We'll first 
See, we must seek peace with others. Second, we shall learn that we have to promote peace with others. Third, we will find we must avoid attitudes and dispositions that lead to strife. Fourth, we shall discover it is imperative that we avoid people with strife, which who cause strife. Fifth, it will become clear that we have to avoid situations that can bring strife. Now, there is one thing we should all be able to agree on. You will not have peace without work to achieve it and, and working it to working to achieve it. It takes work. Peace is not one of those things that just comes along and falls into your lap. Peace requires effort. That effort is the work of emulating Jesus Christ. In this area, the rewards of your sweat can be better than riches. Peace is not achieved by compromise, but through acceptance of Christ's character in your life. Proverbs 17.1 Better a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. You can be the richest man in the world. But if those riches cause you to continually have to look over your shoulder and fear those around you, can you rest? Can you really enjoy peace? No. Strife is the great killer of today. Men strive for money, power, and things only to find they have no lasting value. In fact, they are messengers of death. It's far better to have a quiet, peaceful home and little or no strife. At least you can settle down at night and get a good night's sleep. That's why God arranges peaceful relations for those who please him. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you seek peace with your creator, acknowledging your rebellion against him and cry out for his forgiveness, you're on the road to pleasing life before him. Man is a creature of relationships. The contacts you have with others are many and varied. The most important is your relationship with God. That is a vertical relationship. If you work to make that relationship right, the rest of your relationships will have a solid foundation. That's what Paul was leading, was teaching in Colossians 3. If you will turn away from the ways of this world and turn to God... He will help you to emulate his love in all of your horizontal relationships. He will, for those who acknowledge him and follow his counsel, make even his enemies to be at peace with them. Maybe as a nation today, we need to stop and revisit this idea of obedience to God's word. There's one sure thing in all of this. God hates all who foster strife. In Proverbs 6, we find the seven things God hates. In verse 19, it lists this as one of those divinely hated things, and one who sows discord among brethren. Is this not the natural desire of the unsaved to always be causing dissension? Always wanting to cause others turmoil so they can see themselves as better than anyone else? Please understand this. God hates self-exaltation in men. Peace can come to the human heart only through humility and contrition as they see Jesus Christ as their Lord. The second point I want to make is the need to promote peace with others. 
as we go through this list of ways to find peace with others, note the correspondence to Paul's list in Colossians. Proverbs 15, 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. You can begin promoting peace with self-control and patience. I continue to find it interesting that Scripture, whenever it calls you to an aspect of self, it always involves self-control and self-sacrifice. You need to begin to understand this key to peace. It begins with esteeming others better than yourselves. Now let me say that again. It begins with esteeming others better than yourself. What this tells you is that the source of most conflict is found in arrogant and haughty behavior. The answer lies in the expression of concern for the needs of the other person. That, of course, requires of you an air of self-sacrifice, self-control, and patience. Dear one, you have to be the one to make peace work. Unless you focus on what the other person's problem is first, you cannot have peace. And let's say that again. Unless you focus on what the other person's problem is, you cannot have peace. Try to help them solve their problem, and God will help you solve yours. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Nothing. Absolutely nothing has as much power to promote peace as a soft and gentle answer. I know you've all been really mad at someone. And they respond to your anger with a very kind and gentle word. It's really aggravating, isn't it? Nobody likes it. Because all of a sudden, the sting is gone. You can't keep the anger going. It's like they took away your reason for being mad. What they have done is put your need first. They are saying, I'll help you solve your problem. And generally, that is what caused the anger to start with. You thought you were about to be wronged. You became defensive because of what you were afraid was going to happen. Nothing. Nothing takes the sting out of anger like kindness. Please remember that. Nothing takes the sting out of anger like kindness. You can be a great promoter of peace with gentle speech. Anger begets anger. It's so easy to justify your anger with the object of that anger responds with their own indignation. You both get madder by the second until the fur is really flying. It only takes one to stop and speak gently to bring peace. Proverbs 19.11 The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. This is one of those hard things scriptures ask us of, of those who follow God. Along with this all word must come an appropriate tolerance of the other person. We don't like to admit that the other person might be right. None of us do. We don't like to acknowledge that we could be wrong. Uh-uh. However, if you're to be a promoter of peace, you have to be willing to allow that you could be in the wrong. You have to have as your greatest desire 
that the dispute will be settled. That can mean at times saying, I'm sorry, even when you're not in the wrong. This is part of esteeming others better than yourself. It's part of that replacement Paul spoke about in Colossians, taking pride out and putting humility in its place. If you will approach life with this type of attitude, it will help you to be able to reconcile most disputes pleasantly. Proverbs 12, 20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counsel is a peace and joy. By encouraging reconciliation, you bring joy to your heart. We all seek peace because peace allows for joy. This shows that to sacrifice pride and position will make life more pleasant. The idea that man needs an improved self-esteem is one of the most destructive concepts to peace there is. Man needs to look outward. He needs to look away from himself to the good of others. Christ took the towel, the towel of a slave, girded himself, bowed and washed the feet of his disciples, even Judas. He, the creator of all things, washing the feet of his own creatures, and one of them a betrayer. What does that tell you? That humility is not a weakness. It's not something to be despised. But it is an attitude of heart that you should seek after. Only when you come to live in humility will you seek to reconcile with those who oppose you. Humility will be a force that helps you avoid disagreements. Proverbs 20, verse 3, It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel by avoiding the disagreements. You show yourself to be wise and honorable. If you're patient and forgiving, your enemies will have a hard time labeling you as the one who was bad. Fool is quick to take up an offense and engage in a fight. The wise man says, no, I will not fight. The fool is left with his face red, his tongue wagging, no one to listen. So with all said and done, it's to your advantage to settle your disputes quickly and with impartiality. Proverbs 18, 18. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. If you're willing, if you're willing to let your pride go and come to the bargaining table with a true desire to settle a dispute, you can find peace. You will be seen as a man of honor for esteeming others better than yourself and being honest and kind. Jesus has a dispute with all men, for all rebelled against God. Yet Christ came down. He came down into this world taking on your flesh and your blood. He offered himself as a savior to all who would hear and believe on him, something you at one time refused to do. He patiently waited. He continued to speak softly of his love until your anger melted and your rebellion subsided. What Proverbs ask you to consider is the same thing Paul asked of you in Colossians. Hear the call of Jesus and emulate him if you truly desire peace in your life. For my friends, there is no other path to true peace than through Jesus Christ. There is no other path 
no other path to true peace than through Jesus Christ. Please don't forget that. Jesus Christ came into the world to do for you what you could never do for yourself. He came and lived the perfect life, died the atoning death, won the resurrection victory. He opened heaven's gate for you so that you might come in. But you understand, it is only through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Put your hope and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Paul in Colossians makes it very clear that as a believer, there must be an attitude change if you're truly living in Christ. He gives a list of things you must put to death. Proverbs also tells you there are things you must avoid if you're to live without strife. These are placed in three categories, attitudes, people, and situations. Under the first, attitudes and dispositions, there are three things you must avoid. Three things. Get this. You absolutely have to deal with these three things, pride, anger, and hatred. Proverbs 13.10, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Pride is the greatest enemy you face from your own nature. Let's make one thing clear about pride. There is a pride that all men should possess. There is a pride in a job well done. Pride in a skill learned. Pride in a hard task completed. The pride that is destructive is a pride in self which causes you to think you're equal to God. Or maybe you think you're better than others because of how you perceive yourself. God is the one who gave you the ability to learn and work. To have such pride is to be true to God in what you do. But pride in self is bad. That did not come from you. Pride breeds quarrels. That says you think too highly of yourself. Pride is found in those who take advice. This is saying you recognize your own weakness and are not ashamed to ask for advice from others. It's when you have an absolute absence of pride in self that you can see your sins and call out to Jesus for salvation. You must avoid pride if you are to live a life that is pleasing before God. The next disposition you must avoid is anger. Pride is generally the igniter of anger. When you feel as though someone has wronged your person, hurt your pride, anger follows and can be very hurtful. Proverbs 30, verse 33. Proverbs 30, 33. For as churning the milk produces butter and wringing of the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. Whenever you respond to someone in anger, you're simply pushing the strife button. Anger among men serves no righteous purpose. Get that again. Now hear it. Anger among men serves no righteous purpose. It has but one aim, and that is the hurt of his object. God is the only one who can have a righteous anger, for he's the only one with a perfect character. So my friend, leave the anger of God and replace your anger with kindness for it is the only way you can avoid strife the third disposition you must avoid is hatred proverbs 10 12 hatred stirs up dissension but love covers all sins 
Pride stirs up the heart to think more of itself than it should. Anger seeks to protect its high opinion of itself. Hatred fights the war to ensure nothing can unseat the pride in the heart. You cannot, you must not, allow any of these evil traits to remain in your heart if you name as if you name yourself as one of God's children. All three of these evils are witness-destroying agents. You're also admonished in Proverbs to stay away from certain types of people. These people whose whole goal in life is to cause trouble for others. The scriptures say, leave them to themselves and your life will be better. Let's hear, let's just hear from scripture about each one. The first are contentious people. Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. These people never drop anything. They constantly pick at everything from such stay away. They will draw you into their negative attitude every time. The second type of person to avoid is the gossip. Proverbs 26, 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. Those who openly with malice speak evil of another are to be avoided. You all know that someone can make up a story against someone else, and if they continue to tell it without consideration for the truth, it will destroy lives. These types of people can even destroy good, solid relationships with their vile. They must be avoided. The third person on our list to be avoided is the sinful person. Now, we're all sinful. This is a standard thing with us. We're sinners. What this means is the type of person that revels in his sinfulness. Proverbs 17, 19. He who loves a transgression loves strife, and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. This is the person who refuses to acknowledge any kind of standard. He defies authority in everything he does. You need to stay away from this type of person because they will draw you into their sin if you allow them to. Next, we need to avoid the one who disregards God. Scripture in Psalm 53.1 calls them fools. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Psalm 53 says the man who refuses to acknowledge there is a God is a fool. He wants to argue over what scripture says is clear to all men. This goes along with what Paul asked in 2 Corinthians 6.14. For what fellowship has righteousness with wickedness? The answer is nothing. Stay away from such fools. The last one we're to avoid is the one who mocks God, the scoffer. Proverbs 22.10, cast out the scoffer, and contention will relieve, yes, strife and reproach will cease. It's imperative that as a believer, you run from the man who is irreligious and has no sense of awe of God. This man has made up his mind. He will have nothing to do with the truth. He is the source of irritation that agitates everyone. He must be avoided if you want peace in your life. The thing that pulls all of these types of people together 
is the high, their high opinion of themselves. It is fueled by pride, prodded on by anger, and protected by hatred. Avoid them, and you avoid strife. Proverbs also gives very good advice about avoiding strife through the avoidance of strife-producing situations. Let's look to the scripture to see this. First, you're told, don't start an argument. Proverbs 3.30. Do not strive with with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. In other words, don't go out and pick a fight. Instead, do everything you can to avoid fights. Most fights are started by people who feel they're being ignored or belittled. If you make sure you're treating people with respect, the chance of a fight starting is very small. The second thing you must be mindful of is staying out of another's argument. Proverbs 26, 27. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a dog by his ears. And I don't know if you've had a lot of dogs or not. I grew up with a lot of dogs. My friends, if you grab a dog by his ears, you can control him as long as you hold on to him. The problem comes in turning him loose. The same is true of getting involved in another's argument. It's easy to get in, but it's hard to get out of it. Third, the wise man counsels you to not offend a brother. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. If you go out and take advantage of those closest to you and offend them, that will be extremely hard to make up with. It's very difficult to win back the confidence you had beforehand. Last, never argue with a fool. This is a very important point because Scripture repeats it often. Proverbs 29.9 If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. There is a very good reason behind this advice. The fool recognizes no standard of conduct. Without a mutual standard, there is no ground for agreement. Thus, there is no way No way you can have an honest disagreement with the fool. The scripture is clear about such men who will not accept that there is an absolute standard. Flee from them. Get away from them because there can be no agreement between righteousness and wickedness. So dear ones, is it not obvious that the old nature and its desires are the cause of strife in this world? You cannot attain peace through compromise with the sinful nature. If you want to avoid strife, and I think most reasonable people want to, then you must take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. What exactly does that mean? It means die to self and live for Christ. You take on the image of Jesus Christ, recognizing that all men are sinful in need of a Savior, in need of a new heart. The message of the gospel is a message of peace, eternal peace. Jesus lays out this great gospel peace in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 12. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who spoke before you. If you will open your ears and listen, listen to this wonderful message and believe on Jesus Christ, you can become a peacemaker instead of a strife maker. And you can have the guarantee of eternal peace with him in heaven. Let us pray. Sovereign Lord, you've called us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For it is you who works in us to will and to act according to your purpose. It is the desire of our hearts to live our lives fulfilling your purpose in this world. To do everything we do without grumbling and arguing so that we may be blameless and pure. That we may be your children without fault. That we might be witnesses of your grace among this crooked and depraved generation in which we live. Let us be stars shining for you in this universe. Let us hold out the word of life to others and use it to show forth the day of Christ Jesus. We pray this in his glorious name. Amen.